These are the funniest people I know. These are the funniest people I know. Said improv riffing, callers and sketches, characters and interviews, and then some more sketches. Now these are the funniest people you know. Now these are the funniest people you know. Now these are the funniest. These are the funniest. These are the funniest. These are the funniest people I know. Hello, world. Welcome to the funniest people I know. I'm George Kulors, and with me today are my fantastic, funny co-hosts, Alexandria Sweat. Hello. And Abigail Williams. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's good to see you guys. That always cracks me up because I always feel like George wants to give us enough time. He doesn't know if I want to do something silly or if I'm going to just, hey, I love the suspense. Ah, this is my favorite part. I'm glad you love it. It's the most nerve-wracking nerve part of the show for me. I don't know what to say. Do I address America? Do I address my co-hosts? Do I say the exact same thing with the exact same intonation? It's a lot of pressure. I way overthink it. There's so much intensity just within a 15-second span, and it's just riveting, ah, newsroom-worthy. Ah, I love you guys. <laughs> We made it past the roughest patch. Let's keep going. Each week we kick off the episode with a round of what's making you laugh. We're going to go around, share a story, and then pick one to dive into. Abigail, what's making you laugh this week? This week I'm laughing at the squirrel in the street. All right. Okay. Um, Alexandria, what are you laughing at? I'm laughing at Yay and the Drink Champs. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing at Ted Cruz versus Big Bird. Okay, I saw that, and I'm also laughing at that. This <laughs> is between is... Yay and Big Bird for me. <laughs> I don't know. Abigail, I'm going to help you because I'm sick of Yay, and there is something funny about Ed Munster and Big Bird. All right, let's Abigail. get in there. <laughs> <laughs> Every few years, Big Bird suddenly becomes super political. The last time Big Bird came up, I think it was during the Mitt Romney-Barack Obama election, and Mitt Romney was accused of trying to fire Big Bird, and it was a whole BS campaign. I'm laughing because recently Ted Cruz took issue with something Big Bird did, and it turned out to be a really funny story. Big Bird got a COVID vaccine. <laughs> Are you serious? They're giving them to birds now. Yeah, yeah. The big birds, though. You have to be a big bird. The big ones. Right. Only, yeah. the, big Only the big ones. So Big Bird tweeted, I got the COVID vaccine today. My wing is feeling a little sore, but it'll give my body an extra protective boost that keeps me and others healthy. And they said, Can we go back to Big Bird tweeting? Can we really oh skip God. over that? I tried. I didn't even know Big Bird had a Twitter. Do all the Sesame Street characters have a Twitter? That's a really excellent question. I think oh, we need probably. to dive into that. Or is it just Big Bird because he's a bird? Elmo's primary form of communication is probably Twitter. There's so much <laughs> about childhood that's just different now. Sorry, George. <laughs> What's that? The anthropomorphic features of Big Bird yeah. and his wing? <laughs> what digit is he using to tweet? <laughs> Because he doesn't have thumbs, to my knowledge. Speaks texting. Who, but how's he pushing that button? I have a lot of questions. Big Bird tweets this, and Ted Cruz doesn't appreciate it. So Ted Cruz responds, government propaganda for your five-year-old. <laughs> 
<laughs> He's such Fire. a curmudgeon. What? Then he posts a video a little bit later, and it's a gif of a door being kicked open by a giant big bird and says, big bird no. coming over to vaccinate your kids. So That's definitely a different turn from <laughs> I got my COVID vaccine to I'm knocking down your doors trying to give you one. Yeah, it's propaganda. Mr. Cruz, I need you to take a nap like a five-year-old because you are absurd right now. <laughs> First of all, it's already silly enough and cute enough and bringing awareness enough that Big Bird is getting vaccinated. Ted, no one needs you to start some sort of QAnon-esque theory <laughs> trying to spread propaganda about the vaccine to kindergartners. We don't have time for these shenanigans, Ted. No. I think it's a big leap from you're getting a vaccine to you're knocking somebody's door down to give it to them. I'm not sure I'm seeing the middle area, but maybe Ted knows something we don't know. No, I don't think that's true. No. <laughs> nope. Nope. No. It turns into a thing, and everybody gets in on this. Apparently, Sesame Street feels the need to tweet in their defense that Big Bird has been encouraging children to get vaccines since the 70s. Big Bird is a pro-vax bird. There's nothing wrong with that. He's yeah. trying to help save children, and he's doing his part for his community. I don't see why we have to pull him in and throw him under the bus here. Big Bird's always been an activist of sorts. <laughs> like you said, just a pillar of the community, speaking up for health, mental health, all these things. And I just think that Ted should maybe worry about the state bird of Texas. <laughs> we should tweet that out. There's other birds, the cardinal birds of several teams across the nation, both professional and collegiate. There's so many other birds that Ted could be worrying about other than Big Bird. Then some celebrities jumped in. Seth MacFarlane, who does Family Guy, said, it's no surprise, Big Bird is smarter than Ted Cruz. So is Kermit, Ernie, Bert, Grover, Oscar, Cookie Monster, The Count, Mr. Snuffleupagus, Fozzie, Miss Piggy, Rolf, Dr. Teeth, The Swedish Chef, Scooter, Janice, Gonzo, Mr. Bunsen, Honeydew, Beaker, and The Animal. Wait a minute. He could fit all this into one tweet? That's what I'm saying. How many characters are you allowed? <laughs> so many characters, George, both literally. <laughs> you can jokes for days, man. Jokes on jokes. <laughs> I don't see the lie. However, I was not expecting celebrities <laughs> jumping into the defense. Then George Takai jumps in, and of he course. goes, fun facts distinguishing Big Bird from Ted Cruz. Big Bird will help kids get safely vaccinated. Ted Cruz, nope. Big Bird can't fly, not even to Cancun in the middle of a crisis. Ted Cruz, sure. No one hates Big Bird except Ted Cruz. I knew Cancun was coming into this yeah. conversation. There was no way that was not going to happen. It's a good play. Then Ted Cruz felt the need to defend himself to Seth MacFarlane, so they got into it for a while, and it just really became super ridiculous. But I just always love when Big Bird is in the news. Yeah, Big Bird I'm with. I don't know why some people feel the need to keep tweeting. Just be done. <laughs> Call it. 
You know I feel so, like Twitter is our Tower of Babel, and we it created is. something we cannot handle, and it's going to destroy us. That's very oh. likely. We're heading into the crux of the holiday season. We've got Halloween just behind us. Several holidays coming up at the end of November and into December. So I thought we should play a merry round of kiss, marry, kill. (laughs) We're going to take it to kill. I'm going to up the stakes a little. Using our favorite holiday characters. I've got three rounds. The first round, we're coming in hot with Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, and Cupid. Okay. Kiss, marry, kill. Oh, wow. Okay. Santa Claus. The Easter Bunny. That's right. This one's really That's easy right. to me. An elderly man, an animal, and an angel. <laughs> okay, go ahead, George. You kiss Cupid because God you of have love. To. Yeah, I bet Cupid's a good kisser. And you marry Santa because he's rich. Oh, And wow. you kill the Easter Bunny because who gives a <laughs> Okay, no. wow. You're on to something here, but isn't Cupid a baby? I knew, yes, maybe, ma'am, yeah. he is. Yeah, he is. Yes. Yeah, he is. That got weird. Okay. I didn't consider that part. <laughs> okay, in defense of George, nobody said it was a sexual kiss, and well, lots of people what... kiss babies. I now, during the flu kisser. season... No, I put it's... my foot in my mouth there. <laughs> okay, you're right, you're right. You took it there. I tried to save you. I tried. <laughs> a kiss on the cheek, right? We could give baby Cupid a kiss on the forehead. That counts as our kiss. Not George's kiss. Oh, oh no. I'm not making what? out with Cupid. We're just going to make that. <laughs> Even though Cupid is an immortal and non-existent being that is older than me, I would yeah, not I don't, um, make out with it. I don't know how much of a baby he really is because he's smart enough to go around trying to position people to fall in love. So it's not like he's an innocent baby. He just has a baby's body. Yeah, he's like baby like Herman. Benjamin Button or Yeah. It's fine, George. It's fine. Okay, Alex, finish okay. your list. With this information, Cupid's an adult baby. Still kissing on the forehead, though. So many men adult babies. Sorry. Fair enough. Hashtag facts. Then we're marrying Santa for the gifts alone. Have you not? (laughs) He is a good gift giver. He speaks the love language of gifts. Hurry down my chimney tonight, okay? And then no shade, but bunnies procreate. A lot. True. So I feel like if we off one bunny, there would be another bunny. Wow. So, yeah, that's rough. It's your preference. This but is I, what you want. So you're kissing Cupid, you're offing the Easter bunny, and you're marrying Santa. Okay. Yeah. Second round. Would you kiss, marry, or kill a turkey, a skeleton, or a leprechaun? At some point, we're going to have to just allow ourselves the weirdness of these categories. And That's that what this show game is about. It's about the weirdness. We've got bestiality. Okay. We've got, what's it called when they're dead? You killed the turkey for dinner. That's right. what I was thinking. Sandwiches, obviously. Plus, okay. you don't want a turkey in the house. It sounds well, messy and they, noisy. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Don't they poop a lot? At least know. once a day, I'd imagine. I would <laughs> have to, sure. I, I mean, to be healthy. <laughs> Okay, so we're definitely killing a turkey. Yeah, the turkey's dead. Okay, I think you kiss a leprechaun for luck. Oh, that's okay. good. Okay, sure. So I'm kissing the leprechaun 
I'm going to marry a skeleton. <laughs> Which is kind of an interesting point, because I suppose the skeleton is already dead. Yeah. But for the purposes of this game, it's an alive skeleton. But it has wisdom. Hmm, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. I'm doing the opposite. I'm kissing mm-hmm. the skeleton on his forehead or something. So sure, it's... okay. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm not getting anywhere near those teeth. The same teeth you have when there's skin on you, but they're scary when there's no skin on your face. That's what creeps me out about skeletons. And you marry the leprechaun for gold digging purposes? Right. They have a lot of money. Or at least access to it. And they're pretty hard to get. And so there's that factor of I have something everyone else doesn't have. I mean, everyone's always looking for a leprechaun and you're literally married. (laughs) There's kind of an elite factor to that. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Jack Skeleton? I thought about that because if it's Jack Skeleton for Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah, he's pretty rich, too, now. There's a lot of skeleton characters out there. You've got the female from Corpse Bride, and there were lots of skeletons in that. You've got the dog from Frankenweenie. If we're picking a character, that's going to be kind of tough. It's up to you. My skeleton hug, definitely Jack. That's fair. Yeah, Sally would agree, and so would a lot of women. Okay, last round. We've got a mensch on a bench. Mensch on a bench is the Jewish version of Elf on a Shelf. Oh. So we've got mensch on a bench, your best friend's mother, and an elf on a shelf. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Well, I felt like it was a trap. It is a trap. (laughs) One of my best friend's mothers is one of my favorite people on the planet. Oh. And she's really cool. And currently in her life, a single woman. So (laughs) I guess I'd marry her. She keeps a nice house. And I think we'd have a lot of fun and enjoy some martinis. Like, we'd have a good time. Something I've noticed about you, George, is that your marriage criteria comes down to housekeeping. Or money. <laughs> There's and a lot I, of that. I kind of appreciate that about you. You're like, do you keep a clean house and or do you have a lot of money? Yeah. And yeah. so I think that's really great that these are your criteria. Well, you know what they say, marry first for love, second for money and clean house. Yeah. Like the elf on the shelf, I appreciate <laughs> the story behind it. It's a school teacher from Georgia. She's an entrepreneur. She wrote this book. She had to get it published. No one wanted to publish it. She self-published it, and she's turned it into a billion-dollar empire. It's really I know. Cool. I do love that. They're yeah. great people. The elf is adorable, and I think it's very, very cool this far into culture to be able to create something new and iconic. It's our holiday tradition. Totally it's, agree. It's a really interesting thing to do. With that said, that elf is going off shelf and <laughs> i will kiss the mensch on the bench okay all right i love it alex oh wow this is such a setup but <laughs> i think i'm gonna kiss one of my best friend's mothers there's a particular mother that i'm thinking of one of my closest friends who every time i see her She always either gives me the biggest hug that breaks at least two of my ribs or (laughs) she gives you like some sort of kiss all over your cheek or something like that. So I feel like it already works into that theme. So I'm going to kiss one of my best friend's mothers. Then, wow, 
Minch on a bench and Elf on a shelf. It's kind of the difference between an older man and a younger man. The Minch is cute, Alex. I'm just going to put that out there. Well, he's cute, but he's old, Alex. He's he got, old. A he's white got a white beard and a white mustache. Is that right? I'd call it gray as someone with uh, a sure, yeah, that's colored fair. beard yeah, and no, mustache. Gray. It's gray. He's older. <laughs> Think 50s. And that's kind of what we're looking at here. It's under 20 years. So oh, I'm not an ageist. I'm just giving you the facts. And I appreciate that. I want to be thorough. I appreciate you. Bun. Elf on the Shelf is not my type. Have you seen those eyes? There's something going on there. There's something going on. We need to investigate how the elf exactly got on that shelf because something in the eyes is suggesting a little something. So we might need to get rid of the elf because he's got some squirmy ways, okay? Okay, all right. (laughs) Squirmy ways, great. I'll marry the minch. Let's do it. Okay. All right. So we got it. Well, that wraps up our holiday version of Kiss, Mary Kill. And I feel like we can get into the holiday season a little bit better. Thanks. From time to time, we like to help people out by creating a playlist to really fit the mood when something happens in life. I don't know if you guys do this, but this time of year, I have a specific playlist that I kind of get into. It's a lot more chill music. Do you do that? Do you have seasonal music? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We thought that we should make a playlist for someone who's going through something in their life, maybe somebody who's mourning the death unexpectedly of a houseplant. Oh, (laughs) that is devastating. (laughs) It happens so much in my house. Same. And it's a travesty. You spend all this money and you care, but you don't. And then it dies. It's a wreck. It just leaves awake. So many of my friends have plant babies and they chronicled their journey with their being a plant parent and caring for this thing. And then when one of these plants dies, they are devastated. I agree with you, George. I think we need to help these people and lend our services. What would be on your playlist for Mourning the Death of a Plant. The first song that I'm going to bring up today is Warning Sign by Coldplay, also known as I Miss You. (laughs) (laughs) Warning Sign talks about missing someone. He saw it coming. There was a warning sign, but he missed it. And I feel like so often in my plant life, they're trying to get my attention. The signs were all there, and I missed it, and now... It's too late, and I'm just grieving and mourning the death and the loss. So I think that this song is a perfect fit. I miss you. Yeah, the truth is that I miss you so. The lyrics start out. A warning sign. I missed the good part. Then I realized I started looking and the bubble burst. I started looking 
for excuses. Isn't this most people's relationship with plants? You miss their thriving life because you're not paying attention to them on the windowsill. Then they start to look weak and you start paying attention to them. And that bubbles burst. This plant has seen better days. It's too late. The orchid ain't coming back. Then you start looking for excuses. Well, I was busy. (laughs) I had a job and a child and it's just too much. And then it's like he starts grieving this plant. I got to tell you what a state I'm in. I got to tell you in my loudest tones, I was looking for a warning sign. But, yeah, the truth is I just miss you so much. That's how I feel about most of my plants. You are an island to discover. I mean, this is just so real. (laughs) These beautiful plants are just getting devastated. They're blooming. They're thriving. We're missing it. And then they're dead. When I thought of plants and losing a plant baby, I automatically thought of Roses by Outkast featuring Andre (laughs) 3000. I know you like to think you're doesn't stink but lean a little bit closer and see your roses really smell like boo 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 you have to think about how your roses smelling or any plant smelling for that matter is just an indication that it's probably time to toss it Mm. but also you really thought you was going to come in here and flourish and you didn't so now i'm going to let you know that you wasn't all that And it's really like a great way to reject, a way to tough out the loss and have a jam, a dance party in your living room as well. You're taking the approach of F you plant. You didn't belong here anyway. (laughs) How dare you act like I didn't water you enough. That's not my fault. (laughs) Generate your own water. Wow. I wanted to contribute the song Ex-Girlfriend by No Doubt. Because in that song, the lyrics are, I kind of always knew I'd end up your ex-girlfriend. And it's about Gwen Stefani meeting a guy, starting a relationship, and knowing where it's going to end up from the beginning. And Mm, that's that's truly the relationship I have with a plant. Can relate. I'm buying you, and I have high hopes, and I hope, and I believe I might make it work this one time. But we all knew it was going to die the minute I bought it. I feel like that dramatic irony is best represented by that song. It does make sense. Another song that I wanted to bring to the table is How to Save a Life by The Fray. (laughs) (laughs) Where did I go wrong? I lost a friend somewhere along in the bitterness. And I would have stayed up with you all night. Had I known how to save a life. This guy's just singing it all. Let him know that you know best, because after all, you do know best. These plants, they know what needs to be done to keep them alive. But we're just living in ignorance. We just don't know. We went wrong somewhere. People talk to their plants. This song talks about raising your voice, lowering your voice. There's just a lot of connections here. And where did I go wrong? I am blown away. Grey's Anatomy co-opted that song for me. I never realized it was about botany. Oh, it is 100% about botany. I wanted to toss into the ring. For those of us that like to be outside in nature, those of us that see plants and like, oh, I want to touch it. And then you realize when it's too late that you touch something that might not be good to you. You might have, I don't know, stump on it because you're mad at it. I'm into stumping on things that really You hate plants. (laughs) Um, So I thought of Poison by Belle Biv. Oh, that's great. 
you need poison ivy first of all. It's the worst. It's horrible. Until this last year when we had poison ivy all around my yard, I had never been so personally injured and angry at plant life. I would dream about it. I would think about it constantly. And every time I'd go into my yard and see more poison ivy, I would be angry and be like, that little piece of is here to taunt me, this mother plant coming out here to kill me and my kid. Ugh. It can be deceitful. There was a gorgeous Batman character based off of Poison Ivy, just because it's that beautiful sometimes. But I thought about the fact that it's driving me out of my mind. That's why it's hard for me to find. Can't get it out of my head. Miss her, kiss her, love her. Wrong move, you're dead. Because if you touch that Poison Ivy, it's over. And you can't get it out of your head because you're itching, because you're scratching yourself (laughs) and you don't need to be. Are you keeping poison ivy as a house yeah right (laughs) and then mourning it when it dies this is changing things for me (laughs) you have a very weird relationship with poison ivy i totally understand hating poison ivy but (laughs) i don't don't know why you're keeping it in your house this is so true you You like to live in danger you probably let your gas tank get below a quarter tank. She's, <laughs> she's got a raccoon living in the house, and it's tearing up everything. It's and a possum, just for good measure. Possum just pooped on the floor. George, have you been on social media? Leon's been trying to get a pet raccoon. <laughs> get out of here. Abigail, you're right. I'm going to use it as the poison ivy around the home, because you bring up a good point. And therefore, houseplant, maybe not purchased, but a plant... <laughs> Of the house, similar to your weeds. Well, my last song, I feel, sums it up when I walk into the room and finally admit to myself that that plant has left this life. What I want to do now is have a little thought experiment, okay? Ooh, okay. Close your eyes. Oh, for And real? imagine, if you will, that you are sitting on a secluded beach somewhere, somewhere beautiful. Okay. Oh, I love it. It's just you and the ocean at peace. No one for miles. Wow. I'm and sorry. I got to take a deep breath here. <laughs> That's just great. <laughs> and you decide to take a little stroll along the beach. And mm-hmm. as you're walking down and admiring the nature and the sun, you come across a cave. It's oddly intriguing. Oh. It's or terrifying. Dark, but also kind of glowing at the same time. So you can't help yourself, but kind of stare at it and you look at it and you walk over a little closer just kind of get to the edge then you think wiser of yourself before you walk in you're not walking into some damn cave you don't know what's in there yeah i don't know what's in there i'm (laughs) definitely not going in there but just as you're walking away you notice something glisten in the corner of your eye and you turn you have to do a double take it can't be it's a magic lamp like a genie. You can't help yourself. You run over there and you pick up the lamp and you know better. Genies aren't real. There's no such thing, but you give it a little rub anyway, just for the story. Yeah, sure. And then yeah. poof, a big green genie appears. 
And Wait a minute, green? What yeah, kind of genie are green. we talking about? Imagine it being green. Okay. But come to find out, this is no ordinary genie, my friends. No, this genie is a mischief genie. What? And he lets you know, whosoever wakes the genie by rubbing the lamp is granted a wish. And there are two rules. The wish cannot help you, but can <laughs> only hurt someone else. <laughs> you would come up with this kind of plot (laughs) and the only limit is death you can do anything you want but you cannot kill anyone or anything i don't want to kill anything your wishes i'm putting this out there because i just watched the documentary four hours at the capitol i'm just gonna let y'all know i was stressed and y'all could probably imagine why if we could just create a force field that would have just possibly stopped some things that happened. That's a really good one. I'm going to wish a force field. And a force field that gives a little sting, too, because you're trying to do something. Yeah, because it's got to be negative. It can't just be just a force field. And they don't see it, and they forget every time. They get stung, and there's like, no, and they bounce back, don't remember, and keep trying to go. Okay, amazing. For me, it's going to be people out there who are just rude, people who will cut you off in traffic, but then they're not actually going faster than you, mm-hmm. or people who will try to race you in the grocery store to get in front of you, even though you have two items and they've got 20. For these people, I'm going to wish that every time they go to the bathroom to take a dump, that it's always on the last square of toilet paper. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> You're never going to have a successful experience. You're always going to have to depend on somebody else to help you. So if you want help, you better be nicer. Oh, I like that. I had a friend betray me once. <gasps> My first wish would be for this friend who deserves some hubris to face some sort of horrible public humiliation. Like peeing himself on national television. Oh, my God. Like Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born. Uh, Wow. I could see that. And it's pretty brutal. (laughs) It is pretty brutal. But well-deserved, I think, depending on the betrayal. I don't really know what we're talking here, but I trust you, George. I have one for kids who are just snotty jack wagons you know the (laughs) kind of kids who are old enough to know better but just have a bad attitude and think they're all that i'm talking about spoiled entitled hyper privileged kids who are just jerks for these kids my wish is that their food is always lukewarm it wants (laughs) to be hot but it's not and food that's supposed to be cold Mm-mm, won't get there. Just won't. You're going to have lukewarm ice cream and lukewarm, lukewarm pizza, ice cream. And it's going to be disgusting. And you're never going to be satisfied when you eat. Sorry. Wow. Wow. Talk about brutal. <laughs> One more wish. Okay. A little background. Many moons ago, when I was first dating my husband, he was living in an apartment. And when it came time to move, he went to cash out his pet deposit. At the time, he had a 200-year-old cat that did nothing but sit in one place. The 
apartment complex refused to give him the deposit back, not because the cat had done any damage to the apartment. She had done literally nothing. I don't think she moved. But because they don't give any deposits back because that's how they pay for the dog park. Uh, Well, that's not a deposit then. That's a fee. Thank you very much. (laughs) Well, my husband's not the kind of person who argues with people. So he had me contact them and like good call good call chris (laughs) and get my refund yeah and i was thwarted my karening is pretty strong but i was thwarted by this just wicked woman at the apartment oh so my second wish would be that (laughs) that woman who is such a (laughs) me about (laughs) the pet deposit i want a cat Scratch her eye out like Nick Fury. Oh my! You took it to a terrible place. If we're gonna get charged for some damage, then the cat needs to do some damage. Her eye out. (laughs) I don't know if I'm behind that, but I feel how horrible she is, and I think I hate her. I do, but that. That I'm a little scared. My heart's racing a little. That was so intense. My mouth is a gape. I don't know if we can be close. I'm scared of crossing the line. Don't mess with me when it comes to deposits. Wow. Well, I already agreed with you that it was a fee. I only have to teach that lesson once. That's no doubt. I mean, you will for sure that way. Yeah. Unreal. Wow. Well, I think we should wrap it up on that note. holidays, autumn, turkey day. I thought it would be fun to read some Thanksgiving literature. And I found a Thanksgiving mystery called Turkey Day Murder. Yes. No way. It's a Lucy Stone mystery by Leslie Meyer. And I thought I would read the sample that was presented just to give you a little taste to let you know if you want to go all the way with this story. I would love nothing more. Great. So this is from a section titled, Deader Than a Turkey. Spotting her friend, Officer Barney Culpepper, Lucy elbowed her way through the crowd and went up to him. What's going on? She asked. Barney considered for a minute, glancing left and right as he removed his cap. Then he brushed his hand through his crew cut and carefully replaced it. We've got a homicide. (gasps) Lucy gasped in shock. Who? Kurt Nolan. For an instant, Lucy didn't register the name. Then it hit her. Her name flew to her mouth. Oh, no. You know him? A little. Lucy tried to remember when she'd seen Kurt last. Of course, it had been yesterday at the pie sale. <laughs> this is great. She's like racking her brain. Like, God, when did I First last? of all, who goes to a pie sale? What is that? I would love to. I, I would delight in it. I just don't know where they are. Do they have half-priced apple pies? I need to understand how this pricing works. Okay. 
Of course, it had been yesterday at the pie sale. She could practically see him raising a fork loaded with blueberry pie to his lips, a glint of mischief in his eyes. I'm all in for this pie sale. Not only do you get to get this half-priced pie, but then there is seating available for you to eat your pie. I'm all in. This is the kind of market the world deserves. Yes, absolutely. You're sure he's dead? Asks Lucy, unwilling to believe the bad news. Barney nodded grimly. Murder weapon was right there beside him. Some sort of Native American club. That's the end. Wow. That I thought movie. when you said there was a death that it was going to be a turkey. Me too. <laughs> I was really shocked when it was not a turkey. Who knows? This no. pie-eating man might be kind of a turkey. We don't know. He could be. Who knows? Poor guy was murdered with, a, I guess, a tomahawk. And we're all distracted by the apple pie sale. Well, it was delicious, and he ate a blueberry pie, and those aren't very common, so I'm taking it to a whole new place. At least it, like, it was during a pleasant moment, perhaps shortly after a pleasant moment of having a nice pie. And oh, I Twitter- yeah. If you're going to be murdered, being murdered while eating pie would be the most optimal choice. Yeah, what would you it's- like to be murdered while eating? For sure, pie, because I'm happy. It's like when we ranked dying of swallowing a peach as Mm. the most ideal, because you were happy before you went. Yeah. Alexandra, what about you? That is so true. I think that Kurt got the best end of a short stick. Um, (laughs) There was pie involved. I want to know more about this Turkey Day murder. Was Lucy attracted to this pie eating man was there more did she want a recipe what was it that struck her did she want the recipe (laughs) (laughs) what was your motivation oh that's great i'm glad you shared that yeah it was great and i feel ready for thanksgiving because of that i'm glad and by thanksgiving i really mean turkey day yeah Well, this has been another episode of Funniest People I Know. We record for the Georgia Radio Reading Service. Thank you to producer Jane Boynton, who edits the show. Thank you, Jane. You can email us at funniestpeopleiknow at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at funniestpeopleiknow. Have a hilarious week. See you next time.